And so what we see here then is that when God predestines people, he calls them. It says, moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. And whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. Think of your calling. Did you give your heart to Jesus or did Jesus give his heart to you? Jesus himself said, No one can come to me unless the Father has drawn him. And so this means that you thought you had discovered Jesus, but in fact it was Jesus drawing you by the Father's love. This is uh, Colin Cook and How It Happens. Thank you for joining me today. You're listening to the good news of the gospel described here in the book of Romans. It's an awesome book, and it will help you to know how God's grace works and how your faith trusts in Him. I hope you can listen every Monday through Friday, 10 o'clock in the evening, repeated at 4 in the morning, and uh, that's on KLTT AM 670 in the Denver and Colorado and surrounding states. And then it's also available to you any time of the day or night on your smartphone. Simply download soundcloud.com or go directly to soundcloud.com slash faithquest. And also you can hear it on Podbean, faithquest.podbean.com. So we're looking at these wonderful verses in Romans chapter 8. Life in the Spirit uh, is life in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We, by faith, live in his resurrected life. And so God has thought before the whole universe was created, not merely thought, but planned to destine the world and to destine his children for eternal life and for growing in the likeness of Jesus. Now, some may say, but Colin, it says, whom he foreknew, those he also predestined. And uh, it says, moreover, he predestined, whom he predestined, those he also called. Well, isn't that implying that it's only some and not all? Well, it depends on how you read it, doesn't it? Does those he predestined means that some are predestined and others are not. It could mean that, or it could mean that all are predestined, because those whom he predestines, he calls. And the answer to the question of whether the those here is limited or not is, of course, the larger context of the book. Remember what we read In Romans chapter 5, therefore, as through one man's uh, offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. This book of Romans is a book of alls. As all people are under the power of... uh, God's wrath, they are also, all of them, under the power of Christ's justifying life. As all are in suppression of God, so God brings all to faith. Remember that faith is not something we generate, but something God gives. 
That's a key truth that is coming through in the book of Romans. And you need to read, for instance, the book uh, of Genesis, or rather the story of Abraham in Genesis, to realize that faith is generated by God. And then, of course, we look at Romans 9 through 11, which we will come to a little later, where God is declared as having imprisoned all under sin, that he might have mercy on all. That's one of the greatest truths of the gospel, that God is setting about predestining all the world to to redemption. But it's also very personal, you see. It's not simply God scooping up the whole race and uh, not regarding the individuals in that race. All of us are God's personal concern. When you read the Gospels, you see how intimately concerned Jesus is with every individual, with the demoniac, for instance, or with the woman with an issue of blood, or with the paralytic man at the pool of Bethesda. These are cases where, or uh, examples of where Jesus' concern and compassion is so intimate and related to every individual. So then, think of your calling. Think of how it happened. You know, you remember Billy Graham, I'm sure, Many of you are, are who are, many of you are old enough to remember Billy Graham, such a wonderful man, and he would uh, preach these powerful sermons in these various stadiums throughout America and the world. Hundreds of thousands of people would listen to him, and uh, then he would call them, and he's asking people to get up from your seat and come forward and uh, accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. And, of course, hundreds of thousands did over the years. Billy Graham has preached to more people in the world than any other person in the history of the planet. But think of it. When people respond to the call, what is really happening? It is God who is doing that calling. They are not giving their heart to Jesus initially, God is giving his heart to them and to us initially. Salvation is always God's initiative. So perhaps you gave your heart to Jesus maybe five years ago or 30 years ago, maybe longer than that, and you, you always think of the date and you say, yes, that this is the time I gave my heart to Jesus Christ. Well, I want you to try to think of it in another way, that that was the time that God intercepted your life and interjected his love and his grace and the good news about Jesus Christ to you. Why is that important to understand? This is the reason. If we think our salvation is dependent upon our decision for Christ back in those years, then when we get a little bit anxious or depressed or nervous or worried or forgetful, 
we might then think that all of those negative emotions take away our decision for Christ, nullify it. But the truth is that when we think of God as initiating our salvation, when He comes forward and intercepts our life with His love and His grace, then that is so much more secure, isn't it? Yes, Jesus says to us, He that endures to the end shall be saved. So He's calling us to keep believing. But when we understand that God, first of all, in the first place, gave us that faith to believe, then we shall have much more assurance that our salvation is solid. God is the Savior, not we. Now, all of this leads to this statement, and those whom he called, he justified, and whom he justified, he also glorified. Well, it's putting it a little bit back to front, isn't it? Because God, uh, Paul rather, in Romans chapter 5, has already declared that God has justified the world in Jesus Christ. So justification comes first. But once we are justified, that is, once God has declared the world righteous in his Son, then he calls us. He calls us to repent of our unbelief. The kingdom of God is at hand, Jesus says, repent and believe. And it's interesting that Jesus links repentance with unbelief and says, repent, which implies, of course, repent of unbelief and believe. Do not cling to doubt about God anymore, Jesus is saying. Your Father loves you. He has given His Son for you, and I am He. Believe in me. And so when God, when Jesus urges us to believe, it's actually the Holy Spirit's work urging us and therefore, when we believe, it is the gift of God giving us that belief and opening that heart, that door of belief to us. And so, when he says we are justified, then he gives us the good news that we should believe it. Now, that's an interesting take on the gospel, isn't it? Is the gospel you are all damned unless you believe. Or is the gospel, you are all saved, believe. I believe that's what the gospel is. It is the message that God has taken up the cause of the world in all its sin and sorrow and grief and rebellion against him, and he has declared that he has given his Son on behalf of the rebellion of the world, and that therefore God is not going to be denied. He is going to bring faith to every man, woman, and child. Now, sometimes... Some people believe sooner than others. Many people hold out for a long time. But the trials and the troubles and the judgments that God allows and brings upon the world will ultimately bring everyone to his heart. Jesus says, When I am lifted up, I will draw all... That is, when I am lifted up on the cross, I will draw all men to me. Now, we haven't seen that so far, 
but it will take place in the judgment, in the final judgment. In the final judgment, Paul says we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, and what will happen? Every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and that him in him alone is their righteousness. You can look that up in uh, Romans chapter 14, where Paul is quoting directly from Isaiah chapter 45. Now, what's beautiful about this is that he doesn't only justify us, but he glorifies us. Now, I can't tell you really what that means. It's astonishing, isn't it, that God is somehow going to glorify his people. I don't know how that works. I do know that when Jesus comes, this mortal shall put on immortality. This corruptible body of ours will put on incorruption. We will never die, and we will be in the brightness of Christ's glory. Jesus, uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 that we will not have um, Adam's earthly body, which was made from dust, we will have Christ's heavenly body. So there's something magnificent that's going to happen and that simply be can, cannot be comprehended. But what it means at least is this, that we will be in the likeness of Christ and the glory of it will be beyond comprehension and everything in our soul and our body will be in harmony. No more death, no more sorrow, no more sickness and perfect harmony between what we feel and what we ought to be. That is glorious news. To make donations to this program, you simply send your donation to FaithQuest, P.O. Box 366, Littleton, Colorado, 80160. That's FaithQuest, P.O. Box 366, Littleton, Colorado, 80160. Or make your donation online at faithquestradio.com. That's faithquestradio.com. Thanks so much. I'll see you next time. Cheerio and God bless.